All right, friends, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to mention that some of the topics that we discuss in this episode may be a bit triggering for some people. We are talking about in the topic of the week, women's reproductive health, specifically abortion and the autonomy that women should and have the God-given right to have over their bodies and the way that all these white ass, weird ass, male ass lawmakers like to pride themselves in our business. But if any of those topics are too triggering for you, I suggest that you just go back, listen to some of the other episodes, get caught up. Or if you are willing to learn some things about the history of abortion and the history of criminalization of abortion in the United States, I suggest that you keep on listening. And as always, I hope that y'all enjoy this crazy ass episode. I I appreciate you for even being here. But yeah, let's get right into it, y'all. Make it make sense. Welcome back to another episode of Organic with OJ Adriana, a podcast that explores the intersection of authenticity, mindful consumption, and radical motherfucking healing. I am your girl, your host, Adriana, aka OG Adriana, if you nasty. And I am very excited to be back on this podcast, Mike, y'all, after so many mother freaking weeks um aka three weeks um i'm just very glad to be back with this very inconsistent podcast if you know you know um in my personal life i've been doing just a lot of resetting um i've been doing a lot of like reflecting and i've also been doing a lot of like spiritual work um with myself i feel like my spiritual hygiene had gotten a little iffy <laughs> for a second. So I've really just kind of been buckling down on that, um, buckling down on just routines and doing things that make me feel good. Y'all, if you know, um, or if you don't know, and now you know, and I've said this many times on this podcast before, um, I require a lot of alone time and I require a lot of time to just stop and reflect on what the hell I'm doing and reflect on I don't, I don't know, just reflect, you know? So um, taking time off of the podcast, taking time off of social media, I really have not posted on social media or been on social media like that for like three weeks as well um, because your girl has just been big chilling. I have just been really kind of pouring into myself and we'll get into some of the things that I've been like eating and ing- or ingesting overall, you know, of course, in the things I'm currently ingesting segment. Um, but but just like a little more of a recap into my specific life, right? Um, oh, I'm dead. I'm over here trying to decipher like my podcast notes. So um, I wrote like an asterisk, my life, and then in parentheses, no Mary. And I was like, nigga, what are we talking about? I've been smoking weed. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, like no Mary J. Blige, her My Life album. Okay. Anyways, it's not what we're here for, right? 
And I am taking a sip because my mouth is dry of some Waterloo sparkling water, strawberry flavored. It is so damn good, y'all. This is a brand, Waterloo is a brand that gives me like the same like crisp as Tobo Chico and they do flavors really well. It's like an elevated LaCroix to be honest because LaCroix is always like off and it never gives what it needs to give. But y'all, we'll talk about drinks and things later, my goodness. Um, Yeah, but as far as my life, y'all, it has been the ending of Social Summer. Now, I know that... um. In a solstice perspective, we are not completely done with summer. However, we, for me, my run with social summer, y'all, is over. I mean, I definitely am about to fall deeply into music, girl, fall. I am <laughs> trying to ingest as much live music as possible during the fall. But as far as like me being social and me wanting to be around other people, like, that definitely ended and it ended with a pretty good bang i will say um i did go to a really cool show um of a performer an artist that i've been wanting to see live for a while her name is mama duke she is a really dope queer rapper artist um and her wife dj's for her and they are just um really dope and I would have the privilege to seeing them live and it was just a really good experience just I fucking love when performers captivate audiences especially like performers that hadn't that haven't reached like a particular I guess level of success within the music industry um as far as like you know what the masses perceive as per as success in the music industry. But anyway, I say that to say I had a really, really good time doing that. Um, I saw some people, honey. <laughs> and it's so interesting, like, how, how fucking awkward I am. But yeah, if you know, you know. <laughs> no, but it was really cool. Like, I actually just, like, got to hang out with myself. And I actually just got to just experience outside life by myself in the city which i have not done um now that was honey my favorite pastime in dfw because i was definitely a lone wolf when i lived there but i haven't really had that experience like i've really kind of been having like wing women aka my sister danny um or even jordan when i went out with her um people around me more so to be a buffer because i'm not social but being by myself makes me feel so just comfortable like I love being by myself and being within my own thoughts so that is something I just really have been practicing in my life um besides that festival um yeah I've just been having day dates honestly I really really have just kind of been hanging out with myself and a lot of that is because um as y'all know I do have a job a nine to five honey I wish it was an actual well I don't wish it was a nine to five because but I work four 10 hour shifts and I am just like very burnt out of employment and I always get to this point like whether it be my last position within this stupid ass company or any employment that I've ever had. Like I always reach a point where I know 
that I am literally just here to sustain my livelihood. And that is just like not a good feeling. Like I don't want to have to depend on being employed in a realm that I am not pleased with. So I've definitely been feeling a lot of that, um, which has been another reason why I've been like very distant from social media and social engagements um, and just socializing with other humans because like, dog, that shit really takes a lot out of me. So I'm having to find a way to really just balance the, the visceral reaction I get to being employed. Like, because honestly, like, it just feels so blah. It feels so not good. But moving on, honey, from my specific life, my, because I could recap a lot, honey, but I will, I will save things for myself. But anyways, just to move on to some current events that are happening in the actual world, um, we'll start with Texas, just very briefly being or very briefly, because this is something that we are going to talk about later. If you saw the title, if you read the episode description, if you know, you motherfucking know. But um, yeah, there is a Texas ban on abortion that went through the Texas Supreme Court. And it basically bans abortions after six weeks. And that is problematic for several reasons. And like I said, we gonna talk about it, honey. But I did more so want to mention the fact that this nigga, um, Greg Abbott is really fucking strange. Like he literally, um, I don't know if he was like in a press conference or what, but his, in response to him being asked about why he felt like this ban, abortion ban was beneficial. He literally said that he, or like what he was going to do about rapists. He literally said that um, his plan in, is to completely eliminate rapists. Um, and I'm just kind of curious over how he's going to do that. Because in order to eliminate rapists, you need to counsel all the people who have developed it psychologically into rapists. Because that shit doesn't just happen overnight. Um, and then we also have to dive into rape culture. And we also have to point out all of his nasty ass colleagues who are probably predatory in some way, as are many white rich men um, in powerful positions. But anyways, I found that very interesting. I thought it was notable to say. Um, also, y'all, rest in peace to freaking um Greg Leaks. Like... <sighs> I say this all the time. I have watched Real Housewives of Atlanta. That is the one reality show franchise that I have kept up with over the years. And dog, I've always just liked Greg. So rest in peace. Um, I, I'm sad, you know, that his family has to find a way without him here on this planet. Um, but I hope he's living up his best spiritual life. Same thing for Michael K. Williams. Rest in freaking peace. It is always sad to see um, black folks die at young ages. Like 70 years old is not young or is not old. You know, like 60 years old is definitely not old. 50 years old, like that is not old at all. So to see black people dying young, that's like never fun for me, but I, I definitely hope, or I wish that their families well, and I wish them easeful transitions. Um, 
Oh, what else? What else? Oh, so today, as I'm recording this, it is Monday, September 13th. Um, meaning it is two days after the 20th anniversary of, um, 9-11. There's a lot of controversy over 9-11 and we're not going to get into that, honey. But, um, it is very interesting that a couple, couple days, I feel like shy of the 20th year anniversary of the 9-11 incident, our president, <laughs> George Biden, and somebody just said, I was watching a Breakfast Club interview, and Miss Pat, I believe was her name, this fool said that Joe Biden looks like he had too much Botox or some shit under his eyes, and he looks, I don't know what she said, but the comparison was perfect, honey, and because Joe Biden, his face is just so, so interesting and captivating in all the wrong ways. But I say that to say this nigga decided as commander in chief to withdraw all troops from Afghanistan after these 20 years that they have been there since 9-11. That is very interesting, very notable. If you don't know what's going on exactly, I definitely suggest that you look it up. But um, definitely praying for the innocent souls that should not be politicized in Afghanistan. I am praying that there is a mercy and healing energy over the Taliban government, honey, that's over there because um just I, I just really hate all this power struggle that happens that is happening all over the world and that has happened since humans learned how to manipulate other humans you know like it is just like very unfortunate to see just human nature be what it is today like knowing that this is not the way humanity is supposed to be but that is a different conversation honey i'm rambling i'm really not trying to make this episode super long but y'all i just haven't been here in so long and i'm just like very happy to be talking here on this damn podcast mic but moving right along <coughs> um some two other current events that I wanted to talk about are more so pop culture events. Y'all know I am a pop culture aficionado, but Jamie Spears, the father of Britney Spears and also Jamie Lynn Spears, honey, I don't know if they got any more kids, but or if he got any more kids, but um, Jamie Spears is most notably known for being Britney Spears' father, who is, or who was, the, um, uh, I guess the head, the controlled part, the person who controlled her conservative ship or whatever. So basically he had all say so over Britney Spears' body, career, finances, and basically everything. But he finally filed a petition to end the 13-year conservatorship. Um, I do know that he had stepped down like a couple weeks ago. And that is something that I noted. And at that time, I thought that the conservatorship was over, but allegedly it wasn't. But yes, he has finally filed a petition to end the conservatorship. I don't know if that motion has gone to court or if they've settled it outside. Um, I'm hoping... Sending nothing but good wishes and good prayers to Britney Spears because she is the first pop star that I grew to like. I was very, very much so a Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Disney, or what is it called? Mickey Mouse Club, like that era of stars. I'm 
I, I love all of those kids that came out of there um, during that time <clears throat> from Justin Timberlake, honey. You know, just a lot of like really cool pop stars. I was very, very into pop music, I guess, at that time. But anyways, <clears throat> I'm really glad that Britney Spears is getting the freedom that she deserves because she's a literal fucking human. Um, Sis just got engaged, so shout out to her. She is the cougar. <laughs> Honey, I hope. I wish them all the best. Um, And yeah, shout out to Britney Spears for being one step closer to being free of her weird, toxic-ass fucking family. Um... Oh, and the last thing I wanted to mention is that the nigga R. Kelly is on trial. We already know we don't fuck with fucking predators on this podcast in any way, shape, or form. R. Kelly is a prime example of how how really torn the debate between what is and what is not acceptable. Like, I don't... What is this sentence? But anyways, um, R. Kelly... This R. Kelly situation has really kind of sparked so many debates surrounding um, predator culture. Like, a lot, so many of the things that R. Kelly did over the years was covered up by people around him, other people in the industry, who I also feel should be charged for some of these crimes. Um, But his acts were able to go unnoticed. Like the victims of his crimes are never not going to be victims. Like regard, like R. Kelly was able to live his life and he's now in his fucking fifties pushing 60 on trial, you know, like for being this murderous, torturous or not murderous for being this fucking pedophilic predator. You know, like, but he was able to live his life. And yeah, he's probably psychologically fucked, which is what led him into this predatory lifestyle. However, he's also victimized several people. And allegedly, he also has, like, a sexually transmitted disease that he's also been knowingly passing around to these women. So prayers to all of the women that are still here and alive. Um, prayers to wherever Aaliyah's soul is sending so much love to her she was such a huge part of my childhood I remember vividly the day that she passed away so rest in peace to Aaliyah um and yeah I really am sad that the R. Kelly trial is not televised I understand that it is not televised probably because of how big of a pop culture debacle that it would be but it will be entertaining and both informative and very fucking interesting if it was but I am following that trial as closely as I feel like it and I'll keep y'all posted but just to recap really quickly on last week's episode y'all um that was titled ho why is you here we talked about the psychology behind our obsession with reality television and ways to mindfully ingest it we also talked about a whole lot of shit but if you haven't listened to that episode just go back to listen to it because my mouth is dry and I need a drink of this sparkling water but yeah, let's get into the things that I have been ingesting this mother effing last few weeks, honey, because what is the schedule? <laughs> All right. So this kind of goes without saying, but I just kind of like to say it right now because I'm a creature of habit. But y'all know when I say the things that I am currently ingesting, I do not mean just the things that you ingest by means of chewing and eating, but all the many ways in which that you can ingest things, whether that be through food or a drink or what you are watching, the energetic components that you are ingesting, all those things. A major theme of this podcast is to be mindful of the things that we are consuming and the things that we are ingesting because really being mindful and 
making decisions that fully align with who you are when it comes to the things that you ingest kind of make all the difference in someone's healing journey. So honey, be mindful of the things that you ingest. But that being said, the things that I am currently ingesting or have currently been ingesting like these last three weeks, child. So starting with food and drink, y'all, I had the best time of my life eating all the end of season mangoes. After I record this segment, honey, I'm about to go make me a smoothie because I actually need me some mangoes in my life right now. Um, I have, yeah, also just been finding joy in cooking random recipes. I've been doing a lot of cooking. I made some heart of palm crab cakes, which were fucking fire. I do still need to figure out how to like bind them. So if anyone has made made um quote unquote vegan crab cakes made out of hearts of palm um give me your recipe and let me know what y'all used to bind but seasoning and everything was on point like i also made my own like homemade tartar sauce which i've been making for a long time but mm, it was just so good with that so i'm looking forward to making to perfecting that recipe of those hearts of palm cakes also oh i made some pupusas because i was craving the curtido so if you don't know what pupusas are um this is a central american snack south american but anyways i know people from el salvador eat pupusas and i also know that people from honduras eat pupusas but they're basically like this corn flour stuffed situation right and it I think traditionally it has like spinach and cheese or like chicharrones and cheese, like fried pork skins and cheese. But y'all, I made me some black bean pupusas because y'all know hella plant-based and shit over here. But I was craving that curtido. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Curtido is the side. It's like the condiment that you eat with um, pupusas and... It, it's like a slaw and you make it with like vinegar. Um, well, my friend's mom makes her own vinegar, like a pineapple j- vinegar and her pupusas and her curtidos was, is so freaking good. But I just use lime juice and salt and pepper and like cabbage, red onions and carrots. And oh, it is just so freaking good. I really, I was craving pupusas. I was craving pupusas, so I made some damn pupusas. And they're hella cheap to make. Like, very, very cheap to make. Um, what else? Um, y'all know I always be eating my kale. I've been eating, like, pineapple smoothies. I've, y'all, I was putting maca root all... I just got off my period a couple days ago. Maybe yesterday, actually. Um, (laughs) but all the week before my period, I was PMSing, um... But I was also drinking these pineapple smoothies because I really wanted pineapple smoothies, right? But child, I put some maca root in there. And when I tell y'all, you know that PMS, like if you are a uterus having human that has menstrual periods, you understand that before your period, like you get very horny. My nigga, maca root on top of that PMS. And I didn't even correlate until I finally started my period, right? I didn't correlate the fact that like maybe maca root was enhancing it. But like when I tell you, I was like humping the side of my bed, like to relieve the horniness. Like I was dog, my nigga, I was so aroused. Thank God. Like shout out to this cute little celibacy that may or may not be ending soon, honey. Cause I was hella aroused off that maca root. Um, like during PMS. Um, also, oh, so I have tried hella vegetarian food 
Um, I don't know if I talked about um, Sassy's Vegetarian Restaurant, but it's definitely like my favorite vegetarian restaurant that I've ever tasted. It was very good. Um, also ate some Plow Burger, which was also very good. They use the Beyond Burger and it's good, but they also use like this delicious ass like vegan bacon that I think that Slutty Vegan also uses on her burgers, but oh, it was so damn good. And also speaking of Plow Burger, I had some Plow Burgers today because my brother, I guess, was craving it. And damn like I finally tried the soy chicken wings you know that look like chicken and they put the corn what's it called the corn not corn oh sugar cane inside of it so I finally tried that fucking gross I'm gonna try to like season it up better and fry it tomorrow because like the taste inside is so gross but when I tell y'all the texture is very chicken like and just like the look of it is very chicken like so I'm, I'm hoping to try to figure out these wings and make them taste better on the inside i just feel like these restaurants are just don't be seasoning the way that i be needing them to season my vegan food Ugh. i was just drinking out of a very flat can of sparkling water not cute that's why i don't really like to drink sparkling water out of a can but that is neither here nor there. Well, okay. I'm trying to read like. Oh, so yeah, that's kind of all like I've been eating and drinking. I've just really been doing a lot of cooking. I've been. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if this is something that I mentioned, but honey. I tried Starbucks apple brown sugar situation in a chai tea latte and that motherfucking shit was delicious i had three of them in one week honey it was so freaking good like and y'all know i've been chilling on starbucks but lately i've kind of picked back up on starbucks a little bit because of this apple drink like because i had seen I think I went to go get an Impossible or, or something and I saw that they had like a caramel macchiato with the new fall flavor of um, apple. So I don't fucking like pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice is disgusting to me. I don't know why y'all like it so much. Y'all are just hype beasts, honestly. Um, so, but I do love like that fall cinnamony spicy flavor, particularly like that cinnamony spicy apple flavor. So I saw that Starbucks had on their menu that they're that they had like an apple caramel macchiato and I was like um yeah don't want that in coffee but it will probably taste bomb in chai and dog it definitely tastes delicious in chai so so good so freaking good so if you are ever in Starbucks at some point I definitely suggest you try an iced chai tea latte with soy milk and add one pump of that apple brown sugar Ooh honey that shit is fucking good um but yeah moving right along from food and drinks as far as media y'all i've been all over the place like when it comes to media um i found my way onto earwax removal tiktok i've been watching them tlc reality shows and i do think i mentioned this last episode um via discovery plus i've been watching a lot of true crime i watched this true crime documentary called relentless that i have been seeing like on youtube ads for a long time but anyways this motherfucking thing is basically about like this crime story 
I kind of feel like I talked about this last episode, but anyways, relentless, go look for it. Um, it made me think about a lot of themes, especially like white saviorism and also the way that white saviorism doesn't necessarily always work like from white person to black person. It could also work from like middle upper class white person to like white lower class. Right. Um, I think that white people just have this saviorism complex and it kind of goes back, um, goes hand in hand with like their manipulative, I guess, portions of their ancestry because honey, I don't know. White people are the master manipulators of this life and they will do anything to coerce their way onto the top. And I feel like this white saviorism may be a byproduct of that, but don't quote me on that. This is just a theory that's running through my little theory having ass mind. Um, yeah, I've, so I've been interested in that. I've been interested in a lot of other true crime. I just really love the great, the brains of like psychopaths and narcissists and sociopaths. It is just like very interesting. Criminals are very interesting to me, especially murderous, can murderous, <laughs> um, criminals. Yeah. Um, judge me all you want. If you are not a true crime person, Sorry, but I, I just really love me some true crime. Um, yeah, I've still been watching hella interviews. Uh, oh, I watched Speedy Mormon on The Breakfast Club. That was a very, very good interview. Um, I think I've talked about Speedy Mormon on this show because um, I watched or I listened to The Get Up. I haven't listened to The Get Up on Spotify actually in a couple months. Um, ever since I guess he stopped recording on there. I don't know. Speedy was just he was just like a really cool part of that show. So I don't know if he's returning to that show. After his little HBO, not little, but after his HBO, I think it's called The Hype Show finishes wrapping up. But anyway, Speedy Mormon's Breakfast Club interview was a very cool thing that I enjoyed. Um, what else? Damn, there's so much. I honestly can't even read my handwriting. Oh, Trick Daddy's fucking drink champs. So I can't even talk right now. Trick Daddy's drink champs interview. So Y'all know I've talked about Dream Champs here on this show. I really love Dream Drink Champs. I love the candid conversations that they typically have on that show. Um, but y'all, this viral clip about Trick Daddy getting his ass ate actually came from this full length um Drink Champs interview. And so <laughs> Um, it was just so interesting to hear Trick Daddy just be very open about getting his ass ate, as niggas should. Like, men, there is nothing wrong with letting somebody eat your ass. If you are a heterosexual man and you have a, if you're having sex with a woman, you are having heterosexual sex. So there's nothing gay about getting your ass ate. Like, I promise, like, allegedly it's not for everyone like just like for women allegedly not all women like getting their ass ate but in my personal opinion i i i have gotten my ass ate to the gods right so i i can't imagine not enjoying that but there are some women that are not into getting the ass ate so i assume that some men also would not find it pleasurable but, like, you don't know unless you try. Stop thinking everything is gay. Trick Daddy, shout out to your eat a booty gang or whatever the hell it's called. Because I definitely am here for ass eating. I am down to eat a man's clean ass. I am always down to get my ass eaten. 
And shout out to Trick Daddy for being open about his sexuality, about something so small, but something so taboo in our community that could only like lead to more conversations. So shout out to that nigga. I wouldn't be the bitch eating his ass personally. Um, like you gotta have a certain diet for me to wanna eat your ass. You gotta you know, it's a lot of things that come with it. it I really only really just been out here eating one nigga's ass. But <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Shout out to Trick Daddy. We ain't gonna talk no more about Trick Daddy's ass because I imagine that it's hairy. It may have a couple of bumps and... Okay. Anyways. Also. So, oh, Kanye. So, Ye dropped his album, Donda. Um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about this in the music section of this things that I'm currently ingesting segment. But, yeah, Kanye dropped Donda. I watched the live stream. This dumbass nigga had Marilyn Manson behind him, which was dumb. Um, but he also had, like, this scene where I guess he was remarrying Kim Kardashian, but her face was very covered, so no one knows if it was actually her, but it was likely her. Um, it was just very Kanye, very theatric. I did not understand the point of having this house in the middle of I don't know if it was supposed to replicate his childhood house or what but I didn't understand the point of having it in the middle of this motherfucking (coughs) like racetrack it was just like very kind of confusing right but I did watch that um oh um what else? What else? Um, oh, I've also been watching y'all a lot of Rolling Loud vlogs. I am about three months away from my trip to my first ever Rolling Loud, um, in California in December. And yeah, I've just been kind of mentally preparing myself. I'm taking a solo trip. I love being by myself and traveling by myself, but I also love being organized as fuck when I travel by myself. So I've just like kind of been looking, filling out the scope. I do have a general idea of how music festivals work. I love musical music festivals. Music festivals are kind of my love language, but that being said, um, I've been very interested in just seeing people's experiences in Rolling Loud. It's been like a lot of boring people who don't want to get dirty and who cry and complain about being hot and sweaty and sticky, but it's literally a music festival. That's what you're there for, to meet people, to network, to enjoy artists, rain, sleet, snow, whatever the fuck, right? Um, so yeah, a lot of Rolling Loud vlogs, a lot of Rolling Loud content. Um, what else? Um, oh, so I I watched Chloe Bailey's video as well as her VMA performance for Have Mercy. Amazing, phenomenal performer, baby Beyonce. I don't care what no one says about not comparing women like dogs. Chloe Bailey is a baby Beyonce Giselle knows Carter period. Like, she's an amazing performer, an amazing vocalist, and she's 21 years old. Like, dog, maybe she's 23 or something like that, but she in her young 20s, her early 20s, honey, and she is looking amazing, singing amazing, dancing amazing, doing all the things amazing. So, her VMA performance was very very, very great to watch. Um, I also see it's crazy. My media always kind of coincides with my music because a lot of my life in general is revolved or revolves around music. So 
y'all uh, these, these two sections are gonna kind of have to blend together honey so i also watched ari lennox's music video for um apply pressure wonderful i do like the song is it my favorite ari lennox song not at all um but i do love the music video and maybe my favorite ari lennox music video honestly is very very good um but she typically is very creative in the music visual realm so i really really love that also what else have i been watching honey um oh Yeba, my girl motherfucking Yeba Smith has a tiny desk long overdue. I will say it's kind of interesting to see Yeba with long hair, honey. She had in the bundles for the, I don't know if she had in bundles. That could have been her real hair. I don't know how y'all, how white people hair work. But anyway, <laughs> y'all, it's so interesting seeing Yeba with long hair, but long hair aside, dog, I just love Yeba and I love her voice. I love how she sings. I love how effortless she made it look up there on that tiny desk stage. Um, so Yeba, if y'all haven't watched her tiny desk, go lit, go watch it. But that just brings me to the official music portion of the things that I've currently been ingesting. Um, Yeba Smith did release the album. I have not listened to one song at all. I've just been kind of preoccupied with other things. And to be honest, I really haven't listened to too much music. Um, Honestly, it's been like a lot of the same as always. I told y'all I listened to Donda. I've only given it one pass through. Some of the songs are cool, but I haven't really revisited. Now, I did listen to and make a full-ass reaction video to Drake's Certified Lover Boy, honey. Now, y'all understand. I... Or if you listen to this podcast and if you've listened to several episodes of this podcast, you know that I have such a love-hate relationship with Aubrey Graham, right? Um, a lot of things that he's done in the industry, I just do not agree with. Um, they do not rub me the right way. The way he attaches himself to wherever he wants to attach himself, it, it gives colonizer, you know, like, but <clears throat> we're not going to get too much into that. But I will say... <clears throat> I did listen to Certified Lover Boy. I'm y'all are never going to see the footage of me reacting to Certified Lover Boy because I don't want to put that content out. And also, this dumbass nigga has one of his songs is credited to credited to R. Kelly. So of course, when the internet started going wild, because I guess y'all know how everyone just likes to look at the first page of things and they looked like to look at the snippet of things, but I guess they saw that R. Kelly was credited as a composer on one of the songs. The songs happens to be TSU. And by the time that I saw like this Twitter rhetoric about the R. Kelly credit, I was like, is it a song that I have? I was already like halfway through the album. So I'm like, damn, is it a song that I've already listened to? Like, I don't feel like I heard an R. Kelly song at all. But my nigga, why is it that when I actually did research and found out what the credit is, it is for like some minute long strings some strings in the front of TSU. And I'm like, Drake, my nigga, this nigga is literally on trial for being a fucking terrorist, for being a motherfucking terrorist. And you couldn't have used anyone else's strings. Like there was nobody else that could cook you up some strings in the booth to put at the beginning of TSU while fucking Penso is talking. Like my nigga, he like actually, was it Pimp C DJ screw? Like he actually fucking pissed me off. Like, <coughs> 
actually and it's so pointless like and also in this album like Aubrey is still talking about college age women which I can understand if it's like foreshadowing. I can understand if you're talking about past experiences. But my nigga Aubrey, you already in the studio, right? Getting writing help from everybody and their mama. So who? So you decided to get in the fucking booth and t- make a whole ass album again of college age about college age women and have an entire song named after a college in Houston, like dog it is just very awkward that drake i don't know i i would really like to sit and have a conversation with aubrey like literally sit down and kind of understand like his psychological makeup but but past i guess the fame because fame and being an artist and a public figure is definitely um can be psychologically trying in itself however i really want to understand what cause Drake to have this psychology of wanting to save a hoe. (laughs) No, but to literally have this like savior, is it like white saviorism? Is it the colonizer peaking? I think honestly, like y'all know Drake's mama is a Jew. Um, shout out to her. Like Drake mama ain't did nobody, nothing to nobody, but sleep with this black man and create this little colonized ass baby. Like literally Drake, for whatever reason, like he just gives colonizer and it's very interesting. I don't, oh, I would love to have a conversation with this man. Like, honestly, I would fucking love to have a conversation with Drake. Um, and y'all also know that I have such a love-hate relationship with him. Like, I loved Drake. Aubrey Graham was literally on my wall. And I've told y'all this before, but moving right on from Certified Lover Boy because, y'all, the internet is going crazy with that album. I decided very strategically not to post my reaction video or not to re- not to post any of my thoughts about this album um, because I fucking hate hypebeast and everybody is on Drake's ass and the album was barely decent. But someone who did have had an amazing album was Eric Bellinger. I actually can't even think of the title of this album. I don't got time to be opening up Spotify to look because I am trying to finish up this motherfucking segment um but yes eric bellinger's album very amazing have been listening to it back um anita baker finally owns owns her masters shout out to auntie um i grew up listening to anita baker anita baker is kind of the vibe that i want to settle into as i'm getting older um so shout out to her um what else yeah and just austin music honestly um i don't know if i've mentioned him before but there's an artist called there's an artist named jedi 512 in the city um he has an ep called beef that is very fucking solid um i've been listening to dark meat non-stop i fucking love that song a lot um he also has a song on there called wagyu that i listen to um a lot but really that whole ep i think it's maybe like eight songs but it is very solid but another Austin artist, um, Jay Soldier, my nigga. If you are a hip hop fan, I really suggest that you listen to his album. Um, I believe it's called Jay Soldier Season, and it is fucking phenomenal. Like I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. Like it is very, 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 very good. Um, let me look up because I want to see the name of my favorite song on this album because if you like honestly if you're a hip-hop fan like this jay soldier is crazy jay 
Oh, I just wanna hold ya. Give a little time to me. Okay, so my Spotify is not wanting to load, and we, yeah. But anyways, J Soldier Season, you can find that everywhere that streaming is available. Y'all know that I, since I moved back to the city, I've been really lurking on all the Austin artists. I've been really lurking on the music scene. Mama Duke earlier, who I was talking about, who I also have been listening to um, a lot since seeing her live. Like, she's also from the city. So, I've just been lurking on all of these Austin artists. And I'm trying to see who's making buzzes in the city. Um, And, yeah, it's just been a very good time doing that. It's such a, a cool way to connect with community, I feel like in the city especially the color community especially the artist community um so shout out to all the people in the city that are making music that are doing their shit um also house music i've been very interested in listening to like black house modern style music um amber mark um this song called never look back by spring gang uh, amazing luxury by azalea banks say what you want but that song is forever honey so i've been trying to like really recreate this like 2014 like mall vibe and the, that kind of music has been giving me that vibe but honestly my voice is hurting. I need to go make me a smoothie, honey. Um, so that brings me to the end of the things that I am currently mother effing and jesting. Let's get into the topic of the week, though, because I actually have some motherfucking things to say. Period. <laughs> Be back. All right, so I'm now full of smoothie and I'm feeling hydrated and ready to talk to you guys. So this week's topic of the week is abortion more less specifically rather um women's reproductive health and kind of the stigmas behind it and some of the history um and things like that so yeah <laughs> um in this week's topic of the week i do aim to explore um first the history and practice of abortion over the years um in modern history at least um also the criminalization as well as the moral biases associated with abortion and also resources to those seeking abortion um in these crazy crazy very interesting and unprecedented times right um so just to start right um, I did want to kind of backtrack. I know earlier in the episode, I did talk about Texas being fucking psychotic and banning abortion, right? After six weeks of, or after the six weeks mark, right? So typically women find out that they are pregnant and this is just to put it into perspective. Women find out that they are pregnant, um, or women miss their period usually at about four weeks after conception of a baby, right? Um, so that means two weeks after their missed period, they will have had to make the decision on whether or not to get an abortion. Um, first of all, find out indefinitely that they are pregnant and it's just not a missed or a regular period. Um, and yeah. Texas has decided to ban that, like I said, um, at six weeks, except for extreme, extreme circumstances. Um, 
So basically, the law bars abortion once cardiac activity can be detected in the embryo, which occurs at about six weeks, which is typically, um, like I said, the time that people discover that they are pregnant. Um, also, there's no exceptions under this Texas law for rape or incest. And the only exceptions to be made to this six weeks rule is only for medical needs um, to be determined by the physician, um, but that could endanger mother's life or lead to, quote unquote, substantial irreversible impairment of a major bodily function, again, held at the discretion of the practitioner who is giving this diagnosis for abortion, essentially. <coughs> and this law also However, bars law or bar state officials from officially enforcing it, which is the only way to get around Roe versus Wade, which we will talk about a little bit later. Um, and also another very crazy aspect of this law to think about is the fact, <coughs> excuse me, is the fact that lawmakers are offering Texans $10,000 as essentially a bounty for reporting people who do not abide by this crazy, irrational abortion law. So I just kind of wanted to start off, like I said, with a conversation about history. But before we get into history, I just want to talk about the fact that on this podcast, the sole host of this podcast, your girl, Adriana, OG Adriana, if you nasty, right? Um, I am pro-choice. I am pro-people doing whatever the fuck with their own bodies that they feel so long that they, as they are not hurting themselves, they're not hurting others, right? Um, which includes abortion. I 1000% feel like if a woman feels as though she needs to, or as though she does not want to carry a fetus for whatever reason that is, um, it should not be a difficult process to get that. Now, historically, it has been proven that when abortions are made illegal, Women are going to practice abortion services regardless, um, regardless of how safe, regardless of anything. So essentially making abortion, which should be a right <laughs> to a woman to do whatever she feels with her body. Um, but by denying abortion, right? Lawmakers are essentially saying that, oh, well, I know y'all are going to do this, but we're going to take away all the legal access to it and all the regulated access to it and all the safe access to it. So the only way you can do this thing is very dangerously so that you may have the chance of dying. Um, at least that's what I hear. <laughs> so these types of laws are very dangerous because by removing access, like we're removing safety, we're removing regulations and we're possibly um, 
harming human life. So let's just go right into the history of abortion. Oh, and before, again, I'm sorry, we're going to get into the history, y'all, I promise. But before we do get into that one more time, I did just want to mention that today, women are 14 times more likely to die while carrying a child than with having an abortion. So abortions in a regulated form are very safe. Um, abortions done by practitioners who know what they are doing um, are very safe. But yes, that brings us right into the history. So the earliest accounts, written accounts of abortion being a thing happened in the comedic Papyrus Evers, which um, was this portion of them was written in 1600. Now, y'all, we talked about the Ebers, like, and I think they're called Ebers, Ebers, Ebers. We're going to call them Ebers today. Um, But very, very early on in this podcast, on one of the very early episodes, we talked about these um, papyrus Ebers um, in ancient Kemet. If you don't know, now you know ancient Kemet is what is now known as Egypt. But um, these documents were basically these medical journals of remedies of how to practice surgeries of different, just different ailments, different diseases, all medical things were documented inside of these Ebers, which are basically, or I think it's papyrus, but anyways, they're documented inside of these really old, ancient, creepy books, and they were found, and the earliest talk of abortion was found within these books, um, written about at 1600 BC, and in there, they describe a method by which a woman empties out the conceived in the first, second, or third time period um, by way of the use of herbs or plants to cause abortions and various other methods. Um, And actually, a little bit before these comedic um, papyrus ebers were found, um, Chinese emperor Shen Nung, who was emperor who lived from 2737 to 2696 BCE. So again, this is before those papyrus evers in ancient Kemet. Um, But yeah, this emperor refers to mercury as a substance that will cause abortion. Um, And rather in those times, abortion wasn't, abortion wasn't a word, like the actual word abortion did not exist. It was not a thing. Um, However, Um, it was more so like the rhetoric behind it was that these substances would cause a woman to miscarry, to empty out a fetus from her body. And it was known as being perfectly normal, a perfectly normal part of life that was held at the discretion of women. So moving on to ancient Greece. So in ancient Greece, um... Although they valued fertility, especially male heirs, um, large families were not preferable. Um, Aristotle saw abortion as a way to control population size, actually. Um, Hippocrates recommended three things, right? Um, Three methods by which you can empty out the uterus when pregnant. Um, The first were internal methods such as purgatives or emetics. Um, So uh, think abortion pills, any herbs that you would take orally. Um, The second method, hypocrisies, 
um, recommended was any methods that exert direct pressure on the uterus, such as punching, throwing, shoving women down flights of stairs. Um, and the third thing that hypocrisies recommended was mechanical effects brought about by pressure on the body, such as carrying heavy loads or shaking vigorously. Um, so contrary to popular belief spun by Christianity, um, Hippocratic Oath does not ban abortion, just certain substances used to administer abortion. Um, in ancient Rome, having too many children was also similar to um in ancient Greece, having too many children was a threat to existence. Um, and another similarity to Greece, the fetus wasn't regarded as having life or soul, but as part of a woman's body. Um, abortions usually took place um, within the second trimester and 200 plus aborto facients. And this word I'm going to struggle with this entire episode, y'all, but aborto abortifactants um, were known and 90% of those were effective in causing abortion. Um, writings of Roman doctors Dioscurdes and Serenus um, contained recipes and methodology of how to use said herbs to cause abortion. So a little bit about the history in the United States. Um, in the 18th century, um, up until about 1880, abortion was allowed under common law. Until mid until the mid 19th century, um, the Catholic the Catholic Church accepted any abortion prior to quote unquote insolment. And this part or this idea of insolment um, happened when a woman was able to feel the baby moving within her body, which was also later known as quickening, but we'll get there, honey. <laughs> so I will say um, slave owners, however, did not like the idea of abortion being a thing because they wanted Black women to produce as many black, healthy, viable slaves as possible. And it is so interesting that that point comes up because I'm making this correlation in my brain right now, real, um, real time, actually. Um, it makes so much sense for the government to want to, um, police what women can do with their bodies in regards to abortion because how else will we be able to make a bunch of working slaves um if we're just controlling the population right like ourselves <sighs> okay anywho um <clears throat> In the British colonies, and again, this is like 18th century United States, um, in the British colonies, abortion was legal. Um, however, in the Spanish and Portuguese colonies, it was not. Um, however, overall, abortion and early pregnancy um, regard was regarded as a private matter that was solely controlled by women. Um, now, by the turn of the 19th century, the Western nations began to referring to a term called quickening. Um, again, quickening is the same thing that we talked about 
that happened in the Catholic Church as um, that was called installment, quote unquote, right? So quickening um, was the point that women felt the first fetal movement. So doctors and society in general um, <clears throat> decided that before quickening, pregnancy was more so considered the absence of menstruation rather than the presence of a fetus. And um, often to restore periods, women would take herbal remedies. So the Roman Catholic Church, and just to go back to religion, the Roman Catholic Church supported the idea that abortion was okay before the soul was present due to St. Augustine's 15th century interpretation of Aristotle's theory that a soul enters the fetal body only after it has fully formed. Um, and according to Aristotle in this theory, that that was 40 days after conce after conception for males and 80 days after conception for females, right? So that is just a little bit about the history of abortion. And so what is very widely known about the phenomenon of terminating pregnancy is that it has happened since the beginning of time all over the world, um, using herbs, fruits, and berries and various holistic methods. Um, and what we also know is that um, oftentimes these abortion procedures, the abortion tinctures were made by um, any kind of oral medicines to cause abortion. All of these are created by midwives and the practitioners of the families who were most often women um, who were practicing their own medicine before obviously big pharma became a thing. Obviously the medical, um, before the med the Western medicine perspective kind of developed into what it is now. So that just kind of moves on to the actual criminalization of abortion. And in this section, I'm going to talk mostly about the criminalization of abortion um, in the United States because I do live in the United States and we are in fucking turmoil when it comes to laws about women's bodies, right? So like most laws in the United States um, and other colonized portions of the world, the criminalization of abortion began as a campaign to criminalize non-whiteness. So if we look back at um, post, like right after the Civil War, right? Black midwives represented competition to men who sought to enter into the field of obstetrics and gynecology. Um these white doctors claimed that midwifery was degrading, was a degrading means of obstetrical care, right? Um, and they viewed the, <clears throat> they viewed the use of technology, um, such as the forceps and other methods, which were actually tested on black women, but honey, that is a different story. Um, but they were, they viewed the use of such technologies as um, more elite and more validating. And they, because, um, because midwives were using plants and herbs and they were using breathing techniques in natural ways um, to deliver children and to 
take care of women's bodies. Um, they just felt as if these midwives were so beneath them because they were using the ways that their ancestors had taught them. Um, so they started, these white doctors started to get together, of course, start coalitions, and they began a smear campaign that labeled Black and Indigenous midwives as barbaric, dangerous, and non-scientific practitioners that were dangerous and needed to stop, be stopped. Um, one doctor in particular, Dr. Joseph Lee, um, he had a speech in 1915, and let me just go to it. Okay, I'm actually not going to go to it right now. But basically, he wrote a speech that talked about the way that these Black and Indigenous women were just trying to harm women and that they were not practitioners of science and that they all needed to be stopped because they did not know what they were doing. Very similar to the way that midwives and doulas and um, holistic practitioners are treated now in society, but that's a different story and we could go into it, but we're not. Um, Dr. Lee and the same Dr. Joseph Lee in 1916 wrote an article that said that men should be paid for their services in child in obstetrical and gynecological care um, because these technologies and the surgeries and things all cost money. However, he did not feel that women and especially black people, um, black women should be paid for their services because they weren't doing it right anyway and they weren't relying on these new technologies and these new science sciences that they were coming up to in the field of childbirth and reproductive care. So, fast forward a bit to 1847, the American Medical Association was formed. Um, however, they barred Black doctors um, and refused admittal to them um, because they did not, they felt that the ways that they were practicing medicine, um, instead of using chemical tinctures and using herbal medicines and things, um, they basically shunned that and said that it was barbaric and anti-science and very black. <laughs> so, of course, they they banned these things because white people at that time did not want to have any connection with black people. And they, of course, did not want to be won up by black people. They wanted to believe that their medical technologies were supreme and that they were doing everything all correct, right? So. Um, and it's interesting. So the American Medical Association actually still exists. And I believe like in early 2000s, um, they made an apology to all niggas. But I mean, damage is done. Damage is definitely done. So by the mid 1800s, again, um, around the time the American Medical Association was formed, um, abortion abortion access to those um, who could afford it was still widely available. However, for poor women it that continued to use herbs and etc. Um, or however, 
to poorer women um, who do not have access to medical abortions and maybe some of the techniques that were widespread and widely available were still seeking out medical women who or and midwives who were also in hiding because they weren't able to practice medicine outside due to the rise of all the white men taking over the field but by 1880 abortion became completely illegal right um first it seemed to be in response to the use of abortifactants and chemicals used but by the late 19th century most states had banned it except for except to save the life of a pregnant person um again these laws often were not enforced widespread but they did target black and indigenous midwives so, um, just backtracking a little bit, um, there was a law, the Comstock Law of 1873, which criminalized obtaining, producing, or publishing information about contra- contraception, STIs and STDs, and how to procure abortion. And that was kind of the signaling, signaling point to the anti-abortion rhetoric and the criminalization of abortion in this country, the United States. So um, by the turn of the 20th century, every state classified abortion as a felony. Some made exceptions for incest and rape. However, the majority did not. Um, By the 1830s, um, abortion was still illegal. However, um, practitioners were performing about 1 million abortions per year. Um, by 1962, um, the story of Shirley Fink, who was a woman who traveled, I, I believe she was a mother of like four children. Um, she had been prescribed a medication by her doctor that she later found um, could cause birth defects. She did not know that she was pregnant at the time. Um, but when she found out that she was pregnant, and then she found out that she had taken this medicine that could cause birth defects um, and she knew that she already had four other children she decided to get an abortion because abortion was so um was not available in the united states for the most part and it was still considered a felony most places um she traveled to see um to sweden to get a legal abortion um and this started the buzz and talk again surrounding abortion and anti-abortion laws in the united states of course as the white woman they wasn't listening when black women was finding all kinds of ways to get abortions um and thinking of ways to make it legal it wasn't until a white man but any i mean until a white woman but anyways <laughs> moving right along so in 1964 a woman by the name of Jerry Santos actually died while trying to get an illegal abortion in one of the underground networks that were going on at this time. So again, remember um, at this time in the mid 60s, abortion was still illegal. Most places in the United States, like I said, there were doctors performing them underground, but there were also practitioners or there were also self-proclaimed practitioners practicing abortion work um, under like in these underground like networks of people, practitioners, right? Um, and granted, these were not midwives necessarily. Um, these were not people that were practicing ancestral traditions of aborting a child or causing the uterus to excrete itself, you know? Um, These are not traditional doctors. These are not spiritual doctors. These were not um, 
necessarily the practitioners um, who were certified um, and going underground or going unnoticed. These were people who were like, I know my cousin Shelby need a fucking abortion. So I'm going to shove this hanger up her vagina, or I'm going to throw her down these flight of stairs in hopes that she miscarries, you know? Um, so when this woman, Jerry Santos died, um, while getting this abortion, it, it caused a lot of spark and it caused a lot of stir. And the conversation came up again about the safety of having access to abortion versus the absolute non-safety of not having access to safe abortions, right? Um, so in 1967, as a result of this, um, Colorado actually became the first state to legalize abortions for medical reasons, rape, and incest. Um, and then on November 14th, so after Colorado started to legalize or after Colorado legalized abortion for those reasons, then buzz started going to the other states and other states started to legalize um, abortions for specific reasons, set their own boundaries and guidelines um, when it came to abortion services. So um, on night, fast forward to November 14th, 1972, a two-part episode of a TV show called Mod aired um, where the main character um, has to make the decision of getting an abortion. And I believe she ended up getting an abortion. So Honey, Maude is not one of the old white shows that I watched, right? I watched some Mary Tyler Moore. I watched, um, what are the old ladies called? The Golden Girls. Honey, I watched, shit, even Friends, um, Laverne and Shirley. I watched all of those, but why, I have never seen this mod. I've never heard of this mod. Who is this mod? Should I go back and watch mod since they was talking about abortion in the 70s? Like... I, I'm so confused, but Maude allegedly was one of those household television names or whatever, and it caused a lot of stir and a lot of uproar, and it really got people talking about abortion and women being able to have not only the autonomy over their bodies, but also the access to resources that are safe for them to get abortions, right? So January... Fast forward to January 22nd, 1973, the infamous Roe versus Wade was passed in the United States Supreme Court, and it was a decision which nullified all existing state laws that banned abortions and provided guidelines for abortion availability um, upon like trimesters and fetal viability and Roe versus Wade is really groundbreaking because it really set the precedence to the way abortion legality works in America. Women, um, under federal law, of course, women can get an abortion at up to 12 weeks, depending on the viability of the fetus. Um, I will say very candid moment. Y'all know that I am very candid on this podcast. I have definitely been able to benefit from abortion services, um, not to trauma bond or anything, because I don't even look at this as a traumatic situation at all. Um, 
because one because I love to science myself two because I was looking at it from a very specific standpoint like I'd already had a kid and my kid's father and I were not in the position or mood to have another kid at all but I say that to say um I in my experience right my personal experience with abortion services I um I was able to procure abortions pretty simply, um, or that abortion pretty simply. Um, and it was very, very early on because I definitely know my body. Um, that being said, I also may or may not have used natural methods, um, in other missed period situations, um, to induce my period. Right. Um, so, having access to not only resources has definitely benefited me. Rose, Roe versus Wade has been so pivotal in so many people, so many women's lives, because although this was something that did not need to be written in the law for many years before the late 18th century or the late 19th century, rather, um, after all of the turmoil and all of the things that women had to go through to literally get autonomy of their own bodies, like, and to be able to do the things that their ancestors had been practicing, like, since the beginning of time, right? Um, this case of Roe versus Wade was just, like, very, very important, and it still reigns supreme in a woman's rights conversation, like, period. It really, really does. So. Um, this Roe versus Wade, um, we see, uh, we've been seeing over the past couple years, a lot of states, especially in the South, wanting to overturn Roe versus Wade, not wanting to allow it to stand as is, not wanting it to continue. Um, a lot of people blame the Bible. A lot of people blame a lot of things. However, women had abortions in the Bible as most things that are condemned by the Christian church like occurred in the Bible and have been misinterpreted to be one way. Abortions have always happened. This missing a woman's period and inducing a period to come, whether or not there's a fetus in there has always happened. You know, um, pregnancy and abortion rights, none of that became politicized until men found it particularly um, beneficial for them to begin to control what we do, right? <laughs> so like when we think about it in like slavery terms, it makes sense for black or it makes sense for slave owners to not be okay with the idea of women getting abortions because they want to be able to have as many workers as possible they want to be able to have as many um people to help them create their wealth as possible so having abortions was not beneficial to their businesses having um these women practitioners using plants and herbs and other techniques passed down from their ancestors brought over from their homelands like um the indigenous women in america who well 
we're not even going to talk about the the history of why America is called America, but in these lands, right, the indigenous women that were already here practicing this medicine, that was a horrible threat to whiteness and white dominance and white supremacy because, like, if white people don't have a hand in it, goddamn, they want a hand in it. And it has been like that since the end of time. I do not feel like order in this world will be restored until that fact alone is restored. But I say all that to say um, the current laws in Texas completely go against Roe versus Wade. And the laws that happened last year in Alabama completely go against Roe versus Wade. I'm really hoping that all of this can be fixed and reversed and the lawmakers either get the fuck out of office or literally focus on the the things that are necessary for us to focus on, right? So just to conclude this topic of the week segment, I do want to give a few resources when it comes to abortion and abortion services. All right, so as a disclaimer, I do just want to say that because of the laws that have been passed recently in Texas concerning abortion and banning all abortions after that six-week mark, um, all of these organizations that I am going to list are obviously going through restructuring. Um, they're going through um, different processes that will help ensure safety and security of all those in need of abortion services and birth control services in our state. Um, all of these organizations are specific to the state of Texas and they help um, different areas throughout this state. So if you want more information on what specific areas you can get help in, you can get help in through these funds. Um, I'd really suggest just doing a little bit more research, but without further ado, the first um, organization I wanted to mention is the Lilith Fund. Um, I have been following the Lilith Fund for a very long time, um, and they are a nonprofit that operates as um, an abortion fund in the state of Texas. Um, it, the Lilith Fund is actually the oldest abortion fund in Texas, and their mission is to provide financial assistance and emotional support while building community spaces for people who need abortions in Texas unapologetically with compassion and conviction. Through organizing and movement building, um, they foster a positive culture around abortion, strengthen people power, and fight for reproduction reproductive justice in and with their communities. So I highly suggest that if you are in financial need or any type of emotional support, um, check out Lilith, Lilith Fund. Uh, I cannot, y'all, let me drink some water before I continue actually. But yeah, I suggest that you do your research with Lilith Fund because, like I said, they are an organization that's been around for a very long time. Um, I've been aware of them for a very long time, and they have a bunch of resources and connections to other resources, which is always a good thing. But the second um, organization or resource 
abortion resource that I wanted to talk about is Jane's Due Process, who I've also been following for a very long time. Jane's Due Process helps young people in Texas navigate parental consent laws and confidentially access abortion and birth control. They provide free legal support, one-on-one case management, and stigma-free information on sexual and reproductive health. Um, some of their work does include legal support and one-on-one case management for Texas teens, um, obtaining judicial bypass, um, bypassing their parent or guardian figure, um, a text line for young people who are needing information on birth control and family planning services and parental involvement. Um, and they also work to advocate for and center the voices of young people in the fight for reproductive rights. Um, and so I, I actually meant to give out some contact information. So if you want to hit up the Lilith Fund, you can hit them up at lilithfund.org. Um, in Jane's Due Process, you can find them at janesdueprocess.org. Um, moving rights along, I also wanted to mention the Texas Equal Access Fund, which is another fund in Texas whose mission is to provide funding to low-income people in the northern region of Texas who are seeking abortion and cannot afford it, while simultaneously working to end barriers to abortion access through community education and shifting the current culture toward reproductive ju- justice. Um, there are four, 501c3 nonprofit and all donations made to them are tax deductible. And I didn't mean to read that sentence, but I read that sentence anyway. So if you want to donate to the T fund, the TEA fund rather, um, which is the Texas Equal Access Fund, you can hit them up on their website, teafund.org. Um, and things. So the last resource that I wanted to mention is a resource um, in West Texas, and it's actually a smaller organization called the West Fund. Um, they deal with reproductive health and reproductive justice, specifically in the El Paso region. And um, among doing a little bit of investigation, they actually closed their phones and calls and text lines so that they could better um, plan to, so they could better plan to prioritize the safety and the confidentiality of all the people that need their services. So they'll actually be resuming on the 16th, which is two days from now, because now it's the 14th, honey. We ain't even gonna talk about how we didn't broke this episode up in a whole bunch of pieces. But yes, the West Fund. Let me go to their website actually now so I can... Oh, that's the thing. So I feel, I think because the West Fund is located in such a maybe isolated portion of Texas. Like they've kind of removed a lot of information from their website. There's a lot of like to be continued. They are definitely doing work behind the scenes. Um, I'm sure to, or I'm sure to ensure that they protect everyone involved. Um, but yes, if you're in that region, I would definitely suggest hitting up the West Fund. Um, I do know that they help people monetarily or they had helped people monetarily. They also have a helpline and many text lines. They have some 
good blog sex ed information on their website. So definitely hit up westfund.org if you're looking for some general information or if you're in the El Paso region and need help. But that being said, that kind of brings me to the end of me talking about abortion resources. Um, <clears throat> I probably will put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, but um, I really hope that no one was triggered by the information about abortion. I do understand that that topic can be very triggering for some people. Um, but I, for anyone that this may have triggered or for anyone that may have learned anything, I just want y'all to know that we really all in this together. Like uterus having people like really are fighting for shit that we've been fighting for since the beginning of the beginning, especially uterus having black folks. So Y'all, we all in this together. Do your parts and your portions to just be good people and love on each other and love on yourselves and take care of yourselves and build community and all the things so that we can reclaim our ancestral practices so that we can have autonomy over our health, our wellness, and our bodies and our immune system. But we ain't gonna get into that, honey. Um, but yeah, that being said, that brings us to the end of this topic of the week segment. I hope you learned something and all those things. But yes, let's get right into OG says because I got something to motherfucking say. I felt like I just said that at the end of my ingesting segment, which I didn't mean to because that's something that I always say at the end of this. Okay, so now I'm rambling. So yeah, I'll be right back while OG says, y'all. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of OG Says, where I, OG Adriana, say something about something, y'all. So this OG Says segment is going to be pretty quick, um, but it is kind of the response to why I've kind of been chilling on social media lately. So I feel like I had gotten to a point where I was using social media very heavily, like over the summer, throughout the summer, just to document all the social summer things that I was doing. Um, but I also found myself just finding so many people's perspectives and views on the world um completely fucking dumb and irrational to be quite honest um and I won't say dumb because that word is obviously um relative but when I say dumb I just mean people just the way they form opinions, just the way humans naturally form opinions based on certain biases um, is very interesting to watch play out, especially like on such a mass scale as social media. So I just really kind of had to take a step back, honey, because I felt like I was subliminally arguing with everybody and... um. I'm one of those people who I love to debate and I love to spew facts and I love to have deep conversations. However, there's there are certain types of people who will never I will never be able to see eye to eye with simply because we our perspectives on life are not similar or there's some sort of breach in our moral connect or our moral pathways that like doesn't doesn't mesh well like does that make sense like so I'm trying to figure out like an analogy to use but um 
I often know and understand when to back off of having arguments and debates with people, not because I'm fearful of the outcome of the debate, but more so because I wouldn't feel like the other person would be justified enough to debate with me about certain things. And that really sounds kind of like fucking pompous. But okay, anyways, I say all of this to say, right? Um, what OG has to say for the week is stop playing devil's advocate. I have because my brain is so curious and because I am constantly seeking answers all of the time from every single thing, always, um, compulsively, honestly, um, I can also find myself playing devil's advocate all the time because I am always qualifying all the nuances of anything at any given time. So I kind of expect other people to do that. And so challenging people to assess nuances of conversations like is really fun and intriguing to me um yes I have a horribly dark humor I'm such a fucking nerd I definitely know all of that but yeah I just have to take a step back from doing that and take a step back from playing devil's advocate I had to take a step back um, from what felt like arguing in circles because none of that really benefited me. Honestly, I just started viewing social media as this huge platform of people that is, well, a huge network of people rather that, um, where most of them have different, differing views than I do. And that is very telling because in my real life, the people who are closest to me all share the same like moral compass, you know, like we are all similar in certain ways, like being committed to growth, being committed to, to healing, um, being committed to being black and shit like that, you know, like, <clears throat> so <clears throat> when I was spending a lot of my time, like on social media, kind of scrolling, listening to other people's opinions, kind of getting fucking turned off and annoyed at other people's opinions, you know, like that just became very overwhelming. And it just made me realize the value of turning that shit off and listening to your own voice and developing your own theories and arguing with yourself about what you did yesterday. You know, you feel me? Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say for this OG Says segment. Let's end this episode because I am tired and it is long overdue. Like this episode needs to happen like right now, actually. But yeah, let's end the episode, y'all. All right, y'all. So, you know, I love to end this these episodes with some sort of energetic climate or just something energetically to leave us for the week or weeks to come. Now, y'all, I I do feel like I don't want to bite myself in the ass for saying this, but I do feel like we're getting we're we're moving towards having a more regular podcast schedule. So just bear with me, y'all. But um I do just like to leave us energetically with something. And today, honey, spirit has told me that I must pull one single card for the collective um from the Hoodoo Tarot deck. And this deck is by Tiana Lee McKiller. And the book or the deck is just so beautiful, child. If you are a hoodoo, a descendant of hoodoos, if you are a native 
black person to these lands, honey. Um, yeah, I suggest that you tap into this deck. However, I am just asking see or asking spirit to give me a message for the collective. What does the collective need to know on today, honey, September 14th, 2021? As I pull a card, I am not even going to pull with a theme in mind. I am just going to pull with collective energy and the state of the world. What do we need to hear? My thumb is stuck on the top card. And it is card number resonates with the number nine, Dr. Grant. So in... The Hoodoo Tarot deck, the Elders, which are the numbered cards, they resonate with the major arcana of the traditional tarot. So I am going to number nine, Dr. Grant. And I am reading this straight out of the Hoodoo Tarot book that came with this deck and as y'all know I am getting familiar with the tarot through this deck specifically which was definitely ancestrally led but that being said let's get into this card honey what is spirit trying to tell us with Dr. Grant the hermit um and the bible verse and I would just really love also how this deck is so fucking hoodoo like Y'all, our hoodoo as ancestors on this land use the Bible down. We use the Bible down. We use these plants and herbs down, honey. We called upon our ancestors down. Like we did all of these things on this land. Um, and as hoodoos, as future hoodoos and practitioners falling into this real bloodline thing, um, I just think oh this deck is just a very very good way to connect in that way but anyways I say that to say um I love how in all of the descriptions of the cards um especially the elders cards um they resonate with a scripture a biblical scripture so this card that we pulled today Dr. Grant it was upright it was not upside down um is known as the hermit and the Bible verse it resonates with is, but he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke 5, 16. The plant it resonates with is duckweed. And before I read the image, I am going to take a sip of water, honey. Because your girl, I'm, it's the cotton mouth for me. Okay. So the image, Dr. Grant is shown in solitude, picking herbs and roots in the swamps of Louisiana. Dr. Grant was a Protestant conjure doctor from New Orleans. Unfortunately, his life, or unfortunately, the details of his life are unknown. By the time Zora Neale Hurston interviewed Dr. Grant and others in the 30s, many conjure doctors were using herbs and other supplies from cat catalogs. Dr. Grant, however, was a proud, quote-unquote, swamper who preferred to do things the old-fashioned way by gathering what he needed in the wild. Dr. Grant reminded Hurston of a few critical but often forgotten lessons. Number one, believe in one's limitless power. 
Number two, petition spirits unequal to man. Number three, no more than one way to get a job done. And number four, acknowledge that no two people or jobs are alike because a remedy that works for one person may not work for another. Dr. Grant was a highly sought out for his abilities and in some cases was paid more than $100, an exorbitant amount of money for the time. Um, so I'm just going to read a bit of the meaning of this card and then we're going to talk about what I feel like it resonates for the collective, but, or for me, honey, because the hermit, Dr. Grant is resonating with your girl right now. But anyways, so meaning as told by Tiana Lee McKiller, the author of this book, um, when Dr. Grant appears in a reading, it may indicate the necessity for some alone time to recharge. Specifically, it may recommend solitude in nature to reflect and listen. This is more important now than ever as we are constantly accessible to others via technology. Oh, while this may be convenient, it is also a tremendous burden as we have little time to clear our heads and just be without earbuds blasting music in our ears, a zillion advertisements or logos flashing before our eyes, or social media alerts pinging us or pinging us for us to engage with the world again. They won't stop. So you must make a conscious decision once in a while to make it stop. Let's be clear. This card is not just about sitting in the park for a few minutes, looking at pretty trees, flowers, or a squirrel before you get back online. No, it's about considering the essence of that tree, those flowers and the squirrel and how you're connected to them. It's about perceiving the interrelationships of all things to the other and the extraction of power from fundamental reality. For it is from the comprehension of source that knowledge may be accessed and distilled. Remember, if you take something from Mother Nature, don't forget to give it something biodegradable to her um, and her creatures in return. This card may also indicate that you're seeking knowledge and you're ready to take things to the next level. It is time to seek guidance from a worthy teacher. Um... Oh, so definitely take what you want from this reading. Um, but what I am really seeing specifically is like we were talking about just the constant need to hear and see and feel and assess other people's energies is not necessary. Really take some time to do the inner work. Really take some time to sit and reflect and be mindful of the things around you. Be mindful of what motivates you. And we've talked about this so much on this podcast, but just take some time to really be mindful of the things around you, the things that work in your life, the things that you enjoy, the way they feel, the things that you like to touch, things that you enjoy tasting. You know, be mindful of all of those things. Develop your craft develop your motherfucking craft in private in not even necessarily in private but in solitude and really do all of the work to become the sharpest individual that you can be so that you can be a vessel when it's time to go out into the work into the world and for some reason that last portion about um if you feel like maybe you've 
elevated and you feel like you've gotten past a time of solitude and you feel like you've done all the reflection and things that you need. Maybe it's time to elevate your game and seek knowledge further. Find a teacher, find a mentor, find an elder. Connect to your ancestors, an ancestral elder. Um, connect to a peer who may be able to help and guide you in the direction in which your life is inevitably going. But I say all that to say, that was one hell of a card, honey. <laughs> Dr. Grant, child, and that word from the Bible about Jesus hanging out in solitude and ting if you know you know but that brings us to the end of this mother freaking episode y'all i am so happy to finally be done with this episode goddamn but i am also happy to just be sharing my voice with y'all i really do appreciate this if y'all listen to my podcast i really do fucking appreciate you like y'all are the goat i am you know just out here grinding out here living life trying to do the best i freaking can um so that i can quit my job and live the life that i deserve because i do not deserve some ghetto ass life of employment i just want to be creating and having good conversations and being around amazing music and all the things so <laughs> let in my time of solitude, while I've been sharpening all my skills, I'm about to go find me a, a mentor or something or another and about to elevate to the next level because all in due time, all in perfect divine timing, all in perfect harmony. But yeah, follow me on all the things. Go subscribe to my YouTube channel. Go subscribe to my TikTok at OG Adriana. I might have an underscore, but if you see my picture, you'll see me. But I want to start making some really cool like content about my work day because I do work from home. But anyways, honey, me and Dr. Grant here about to have a word and I'm about to go to bed and i will see y'all when y'all see when i see y'all um hit me up on all the social medias og adriana organic with og all the motherfucking things um i'm done i am done talking i am tired of talking <sighs> bye y'all thank y'all for listening for real i really do appreciate it goodbye until next time